This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. It's tied up on the end boards by Anthony Beauvillier. Canucks still can't clear. Long wrist shot, right point, tipped in front, they score! Deflection in the slot off the stick of Liam O'Brien. It's his second of the game, and the Coyotes make it 4-3. Soderstrom, back to Nick Schmaltz, left wing, tight towards the goal. Wrist shot, he scores! With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. That's into the slot around Moser. Garland going right to the net, to the backhand. He scores! Connor Garland scores the hat-trick goal to win the last game of the season. It's his first career hat-trick. And the Canucks close out the year with a 5-4 victory on the road in Arizona. The official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win their final home game of um, final game of the season, 5-4 in overtime over the Arizona Coyotes. And this is the Canucks Center Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to welcome in Randy Janda and Brendan Batchelor into the conversation in just a moment's time. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can also grab a phone line. You can also text in... In our Dunbar, Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And we'll interact with you and chat with you throughout the evening. To wrap up this Canucks season, Game 82, the final final game of the year, the final post-game show of the year as well, Bick. So we have a lot to talk about. And we will ask for your favorite thing about this season, whatever they that may be, and also what you hated most about this season. So get your thoughts and just let us know. Just Just... Whatever you think of this season, have at it, and we'll talk about it here on the post-game show. But the Canucks did ensure the 11th spot uh, in the draft lottery with this game going into overtime and hence winning it, too. Season's over. Yes. We made it. 82 up, 82 down. Yeah, it's uh, not that I'm glad it's over. I always love her to continue, but you can uh, turn that last page all of a sudden. Yeah, like, turn the page. Sense of relief on. on that last moment there. Yeah, some, right? Like, I, there is some relief in getting the season over with now based on, you know, how things were trending. And now it comes to the offseason. But to talk about this game and the season that was, let's welcome in Brandon Batchelor and Randeep Janda into the conversation. Great stuff tonight, guys, calling the game between the Canucks and Coyotes from Arizona. And it was Connor Garland scoring a hat trick and got the game winner in overtime to cement this one for the Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, I mean, Garland's season, it's kind of funny. He's been a lot of ups and downs, and he does end it with a pretty big up, especially when you consider he scored against a team that he came up with. Yeah, his first career hat-trick as well, and uh, he jumps from 14 to 17 goals to end the season, Randeep. I thought he was one of the better Canucks tonight, and even though they had a big lull throughout most of the second period, and to be honest, most of the third period, it was that first period performance out of the gate that helped them across the finish line tonight. For sure, and when you talk about Garland, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether he will be you know, with the team next year, whether he's a player that... You know, you can have, is he a luxury player at this point in time for the Canucks? But one thing is for sure, in a third-line role, if he is on this team next year, he can be an offensive driver. He can be maybe the guy with the puck on his stick 
uh, depending on who's on a, a third-line center position. So to me, you know, Connor Garland sends a message here, obviously in the final game of the season. You don't take too much of a, a stock in the final game of the year, especially the way that both of these teams and where they're situated in the standings. But you know, the ability to have a hat trick, only the second one that the Canucks have scored this season, uh, that tells you something uh, that this guy is, at the very least, he, he's got that in him. And guys, you look at his career high last year, 52 points. He's going to finish with 46 this year. And let's be honest, it wasn't a good year for most of this year for Connor Garland, but he ends off the season playing uh, pretty consistent in a in a lower and reduced role uh, to end off the year. Yeah, and he probably deserved a bit more luck given the year. I think it was his career low shooting percentage uh, coming into tonight. And so, you know, three goals is certainly no one's predicting that. And yet, a lot of it is still going to come down to like a tale of two seasons for someone like Connor Garland, where he had 21 points coming into tonight under Rick Tockett, and you kind of mentioned the season total there. It does just feel like, you know, he started well with Travis Green, then Bruce, maybe the role and the usage wasn't really there, and now it's kind of ticked back up, and it looks like he has a defined role under Rick Tockett. Yeah, certainly where he was a guy that was played down the lineup but moved up in certain spots, right? Like we saw him... Um, you know, playing on a de facto fourth line at times with Sheldon Drys. We saw him moved up a little bit. So he had different roles, as a lot of players on the Canucks did this year. But I think the biggest difference for me, Randy, was he produced a lot more at five-on-five last year. Uh, He finished last season with 49 of his 52 points at evens. Coming into the game tonight, he only had 32 even strength points uh, and one of his goals came on the power play tonight so he picks up two more even strength points finishes the year with 34 but that's a big downtick from 49 that said he's the kind of player that can get back to that if he plays the way that he did tonight more consistently oh for sure and I think a part of this conversation as well you know you talk about playing down the lineup uh, tonight he's playing with Sheldon Dries and you know I like Sheldon Dries commitment I like his uh, intensity in certain moments especially, but when we're talking about skill at the NHL level, uh, Sheldon Dries has done a good job, but you're trying to upgrade that third-line center position or that fourth-line position, depending on how you look at the lines. Now, my question is, with Connor Garland, with a different center, a different third-line center, where their job is you know, defense, their job is a little bit more maybe a face-off guy, penalty killing, can you get Connor Garland as that, you know, that puck carrier, the guy with the puck on his stick, and can maybe an upgrade at the center position, provide a little bit more five-on-five scoring. And that's going to be a challenge for this team, depending on, you know, obviously with the cap situation they're in. But I do look at a player like Connor Garland to say, all right, on a good team, is he that guy that can jump up in your second line? But he's a part of a really good third line. And does that provide you value is a different question, guys. But I think those five-on-five numbers, if you can add an upgrade at the center position just by a little bit, do those numbers jump up when he gets an opportunity to play there? Yeah, and, and I and I still kind of wonder overall when it comes to the type of fit that you have with Garland on the team and some of these other guys, and ultimately what this season's going to have in store for us. Now, one thing that you know I was kind of looking at this game too, and I know people texted in as well, kind of wondering if um, we would see Andre Kuzmenko get his 40th goal tonight, and perhaps him getting that opportunity. And it's not like he didn't get ice time. I mean, he did get three minutes and eleven seconds of power play time, but not on power play one. He played sixteen minutes. Do we read into that at all? Any, anything into that, that, you know, Kuzmenko wasn't really featured with uh, any of the higher-end guys really tonight? Well, I think the message is still being sent about, you know, improved 200-foot game being a non-negotiable from Rick Tockett. 
The one thing I, I would say, Randy, and I've said this a couple of times on the air of late, is Rick Tockett can afford to do this with Andre Kuzmenko right now. He's trying to send a message to this player next season when the games matter in October, when they need to win, or if they're behind in the third period and they need a goal. I don't think Rick Tockett will be able to afford to bench Andre Kuzmenko or move him down the lineup just based on how prolific his goal-scoring ability has been this year. So that's the benefit of having a coach come in with mean-nothing games this season is he has a chance to send his message to certain players. But for people that are expecting that this treatment of Andre Kuzmenko or this however you want to describe it, the, the tough love, if you want to call it that, for Andre Kuzmenko carries forward to next year, I would be surprised because they're going to need his goal scoring at times in games next year. Yeah, I look at it this way, guys. You know, when they're up 4-1 and Kuzmenko's got a couple assists there, excellent stick check on that 2-1 goal by Garland as well in the neutral zone, gets possession back. You're looking at that game to say, all right, Kuzmenko's doing something here, and it's more than just you know playing in the offensive zone. There's some good neutral zone play there. But what happens at that 4-2 goal? A late goal by Arizona in the second period, we see what happens. Liam O'Brien scores. This is a, a much closer game, and that's why I think if you know if that game script had gone a little bit similar to the first period or the Canucks have a comfortable lead, I could see Rick Tockett saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reward a couple of these guys, especially Kuzmenko, maybe bump uh, – Phil DiGiuseppe off the first unit power play and, and give him a solid and get try to get that milestone potentially. But once that game started to turn, and when we hear about accountability from Rick Taco, when we hear about uh, the individual stats don't matter, team game matters more, and that game script changes and the Canucks start to lose that lead and eventually you know Arizona ties it up, uh, it to me that was a Rick Tockett probably saying, all right, you know what? I said it after that last game about Pedersen. Individual stats are nice. For Rick Tockett, they clearly don't mean that much, and I'm not all that surprised that we didn't see Kuzmenko in power play one. You said stick check there. I want to talk about a stick check that I saw earlier in the game in the second period, and, and just about a player in general, because uh, I thought he had another solid night as we continue to uh, see this audition from Akito Hirose. You know, I, I thought he played a solid in, in the second, you know, breaking up a two-on-two, just getting stick on puck, yeah. stacking the guy on the board, just battling, allowing everyone to catch up into the play. And, you know, he made a nice play in the first period as well, picking up a rebound and just calmly skating it into space and away the puck went. And, look, it, it's it's not necessarily the most intense time, and yet it's hard not to be impressed by Akito Hirose on another night. Yeah, for sure. And, listen, you can only, you know, respond to the test that's put in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I think with Akito Hirose, for coming in and not playing any NHL games late in the season, and now you mentioned a couple of those plays. There's another play I believe in the second period where it's one-on-one against Clayton Keller and they engage in a board battle and Hirose does a great job of, you know, handling and at least, you know, 50-50, uh, nothing comes out of that spot or that chance for Keller. And this is the fourth hottest player in the NHL since the All-Star break. So a player that is extremely confident and Kito Hirose engages physically in a battle where, you know, heading into his NHL career, his young NHL career, that was a question of, is he going to be able to defend effectively? Is he going to be able to engage physically? And I know Clayton Keller is not necessarily the, the biggest or toughest, but he's also one of the more skilled. So that's, uh, you know, the plays that you mentioned. But I look at that as well. This guy is a confident player. And JT Miller said it himself where, hey, there's kind of the, he's a, he's a you know, a little bit maybe 
you could say confidence slash cocky, which is a good thing. That's a compliment when you come into the league and you you have that swagger and you can see that on the ice. That's what I like about this kid. Yeah, he's impressed me immensely. Where normally college free agent comes in, they get a cup of coffee, and then you don't know if you'll ever see them at the NHL level again. We've seen Brogan Rafferty. We've seen Josh Tevez. You know, the list is much longer than that, but those are the two sort of defensemen that jump to mind in terms of, you know, guys that have come in late in the year out of college and got a chance to play a few NHL games but never really found their way back to that spot. Akito Hirose, to me, has an opportunity to come in and compete for this roster next year based on the way he's played. Now, you know, the games are very different in October than they are in March and April. And, you know, it's one of those situations, too, where um, the games are going to mean a lot more in October, right, where there'll be more pressure on this team to have success. And, you know, based on that, you would think, guys, anyway, that – there will be some merit-based decisions coming out of training camp because this is a club that desperately needs to get off to a good start. So uh, that is music to my ears if I'm Akito Hirose because he played so well down the stretch here that if he comes in and has a good training camp, he could absolutely be in the top six on night one in October based on the way he's played. And I think that's a credit to his hockey IQ, his ability to transition to the NHL game and not look out of pace, or out of place rather, or behind the pace despite the fact he's only 170 pounds. Like, you know, I've seen some comparisons to Chris Tanev in terms of how cool as a cucumber he was when he came into the league, and it's not far off. You know, I've been impressed with Hirose, and I want to see more from him heading into camp next year. As far as goaltending is concerned, and when we look at what Thatcher Demko has shown, he didn't play tonight. We saw Colin Delia, and it wasn't the best kind of showing from him. Should this, the thing we saw down the stretch, what was the most encouraging thing of we saw down a stretch with, with, with Rick Tockett? And is, a, is it hard to argue it wasn't Thatcher Demko's play? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly Thatcher Demko's play. I think also the way the team started to defend in front of him and had a bit more structure. Now, again, I'm I'm not going to sit here, Randeep, and say that they cured those defensive issues completely or cured them overnight. They still have plenty of giveaways. They get caught running around in their own zone. They get hemmed in for extended stretches. But compared to how loose it was in their own end and on the penalty kill, especially early in the year, it's encouraging to see that he could get more out of this group defensively. Now, it's still not going to be enough next year when you look at some of the teams that are heading to the postseason and the way they defend, and the LA Kings are the example that jumps to mind because we just saw them a couple of games ago and how they can really shut down games and choke the life out of their opponents. The Canucks, I don't know if they have the personnel to get to that level, but they need to be a lot better defensively, and they took some strides in that regard, which was also helped by the return of Thatcher Demko and his return to form after his tough start to the year before the injury. Yeah, part of that was also the starting point, which was uh, non-existent, really. The only team that had worse uh, defensive structure and defensive stats was the Anaheim Ducks, and Vancouver separated themselves from that pack a little bit, at least being in the mid-20s when you start looking at goals against, and they were a little bit more confident defensively. Uh, Goaltending guys, 100%, can't disagree with you there, but the one area that I look at is penalty killing, right? They end off the season in the final five games of the year having a a streak of 12 out of 15 kills, essentially. And that's something, looking back at this team, and they're still going to end with a, a terrible penalty kill uh, when you start looking at rankings, but not historically low, and there was more confidence in the way that they played. JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, when they were out there as a tandem, very good, but they also had the green light. They were aggressive, uh, where they were using their their 
IQ, their hockey IQ to make the right play, especially Pedersen. And there was a confidence in that. And that's something that, you know, I think is something they're going to have to improve. They're going to have to bring in more personnel that will appeal to the, the PK side of things. And you can start speculating on your, your third line centers or maybe wingers that might be able to do that. Definitely a, a left shot defenseman. But guys, I still think from where they started and the ability to actually enact some structure on the PK too. Sure, goaltending helps there too, but there was a change in psyche. There's a change in thought process and having players play the right way, especially Patterson and JT Miller for me. There's been so much talk and will be so much talk of players that need to go out. Uh, I'll ask about a player that maybe should be retained and ended the, the season strong with couple of points and a fight. Uh, Kyle Burrows uh, showing up again uh, for teammates taking on any combatant. Uh, same size, bigger, doesn't matter. Uh, thoughts on Kyle Burrows' night and season? Yeah, I mean, he's he's steady back there. And it's nice to have a guy like that in terms of your depth in the organization. In an ideal world, is Kyle Burrows a top six guy on a nightly basis? Probably not. But... He's a guy that slots in. You know, there were times this year where he was scratched for extended stretches, but you knew what you were going to get from him when he came into the lineup. He brings a physical presence that this team lacks in a lot of other areas of the lineup, and you saw it again tonight coming to the defense of a teammate. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Burroughs because I think, you know, you can look at this from both sides. I'm sure the Canucks would like to have him back if the dollar amount is right because he provides that depth that we talked about at the same time. Has Burroughs played well enough in his games with the Canucks this year that he gets a better opportunity to play more regularly in the NHL somewhere else or gets a higher dollar amount than Vancouver's comfortable with paying? We'll have to wait and see, but for a local kid who's been wearing the the colors of his hometown team, he's acquitted himself tremendously well and deserves a lot of credit. For sure, and he mentioned that last week as saying, hey, I, I know what, what I want to do. I've never really shied away from highlighting the fact that, you know, he – he loves Vancouver. However, you know, you start looking at Kyle Burroughs and what he could offer another team. Uh, if I'm looking at a team like Anaheim or if I'm looking like, at a team like Columbus, who is going to be doing some building over the next couple of years and they got a lot of young stars, isn't Kyle Burroughs the exact type of player you want in the lineup to say he's going to stand up for his teammates, he's going to be able to play on defense. Uh, some of these teams are, are light on that side of things. And you're right, Batch. You know, he's probably a number seven defenseman on, on the Vancouver Canucks. And Probably should be, but if you're looking at some of these other teams across the NHL, yeah, you're probably willing to give a little bit of term, maybe a two-year deal, and probably pay him a decent salary just to ensure that you're able to get that sort of, um, you know, that veteran experience, but at the same time, that toughness. So I think if Vancouver can find uh, a a value for him or a a number for him that makes sense cap-wise, as a number seven defenseman, there's no better teammate than Kyle Burroughs and what he provides, but... Kyle Burrows is going to have some suitors as well. He's you know up there in fighting majors. He's played a career high in games this year. So to me, I think it's going to be maybe a little t- difficult to keep him in Vancouver based on the fact that other teams will, will like what they've, they've seen as well. Yeah, and ultimately, we are going to find out and see how that all kind of comes to be. And gentlemen, well, it was great to have a post-game roundtable as well here with you guys. We do pre-game roundtables, but since this is Game 82, both Batch and Andy decided to do a post-game roundtable with us. And it's a great way of ending the season. So any final thoughts here before we let you guys essentially take some time off from this duty before you're back at it again <laughs> next year? You'll still be on the air, I and mean, we're going to hear you guys quite a bit throughout the year. It's not like you're going to be gone, but any parting thoughts on the season and, and what's how this has gone this year 
the only thing I want to say is that hopefully the off season is as eventful as the regular season was, but for some good reasons in terms of what this management group can try to do in terms of freeing up some cap space, adding to this roster, complementing players like Hughes, Pedersen, and Demko, and trying to improve this club. And I know there's a lot of debate in the market about whether they've gone about this the right way, whether they should have tanked more aggressively. Um, Whoa, that's been a discussion, really? <laughs> I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even leading up to the final few days of the season when their fate was already decided. But I digress. Anyway, the point being that, you know, it's clear the organization wants to go in this direction. They want to build around these core players. They want to improve their club more quickly than some fans might think would be the, the prudent way to go about it. And best of luck to them. It's going to be a challenge for them this off season, but hopefully we have a lot of great topics around this team to talk about, whether it's player acquisitions or free agent signings or trades or whatever it might be. Obviously, a uh, potentially very high draft pick would be very nice as well. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that can set the table for a very exciting next season that they can start off on on the right foot yeah and this season was you know a roller coaster going back to my playland days this was the uh the the corkscrew and the one that went upside down and just all every which way but you start looking at you know some of the the developments the positive developments that came out of this season was Elias Pedersen 100 point player and he took that step that everybody was looking for you know we were Talking about this last year and the year before, when's he going to take a step? When's he going to be a point-per-game player? Um, it, more so an 80-point player or a 90-point player? Well, he's a 100-point player. Uh, Quinn Hughes, you start obviously seeing that, you know, uh, that just that extension of what kind of player he can be the and a leader for both of these guys. So as much as there's been a lot of negatives over the last couple of years when you don't make the playoffs, you know, seven out of eight years, there's going to be negativity, and I understand that. But I think a huge part of this season was are the young leaders – ready to take that step, and you start looking at both of those guys, uh, Pedersen and Hughes, and throw Thatcher Demko's name in there as well because he's going to be one of the, the best in the league next year if he's healthy. Guys, that's positive as well. Now it's on the management team to your uh, point, Batch, of can you make the right moves? Can you hit home runs on some of these moves after you ca- uh, free up some cap space? And that's the big, you know, big task at hand right now. Got some good news for you guys. Uh, your off-season starts right now. <laughs> Let's go. Thank you very much. We appreciate it, and our last chance to thank all the listeners as well. We appreciate the engagement from around the world throughout the year, and uh, we're headed into the off season. We're going to walk off into the sunset now. That's right. Uh, I've never had this before, guys. I've never had. Uh, usually, I'm there with you guys and working the full uh, full on season. So the hockey schedule is going to be a little different for me. But um, appreciate it, Batch. Uh, first year on the job for me. The first year on the role uh, in the role. So I appreciate it, and guys. Uh, awesome to be on this side of the uh, the conversation for once too. So. Uh, thanks for everything this year, and looking forward to next year already. And yeah. full credit to you, Randy. You did a tremendous job this year. You slid into the booth seamlessly, and it's been awesome to work with you, and long may it continue. Thank you, sir. Yeah, great stuff, gentlemen, and we'll see you guys back at the radio station here soon. That's great stuff from Brendan Batchelor and Randeep Janda, and a great first year for Randeep doing color around alongside Batch. The dynamic duo this year for us on Sportsnet 650, and looking forward to that continuing beyond this year as well. Um, we are, I mean, we have tons of reaction 
And, oh, yeah. And we love it. It's the final post game show. We're going to have a lot of fun here tonight. All your thoughts are welcome to our Dunbar Lumber Text in the box, 650 650. Phone boards are open. We're, we are going to get to your phone calls momentarily. So hold on to your phone lines, 604 280 0650. You're toll free, 1 275 0650. But, Bick, before we do that, what are the people saying on the text in the box? Uh, this one, Brandon in Vancouver. Season ends like it began, blowing a three goal first period lead. On the road, uh, Robin Victoria, this team will need a healthy Heronic and a, probably another good D-man if they want to make the playoffs next year. Uh, lots of different thoughts coming in. And this one, uh, this team does everything the wrong way, getting a W on the final game of the season. A lot of that, a lot of that is coming into the text inbox, and I understand the frustration. You know, I, I totally do understand, uh, given how the season has gone. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty, and we'll hit that coming up in, in just a moment's time. But let's go to the phone boards as promised six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty, and let's start, uh, let's start off in Surrey, where we have our friend Nathan on the line. Nathan, uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, boys, can you hear me tonight? Yeah, yeah, we got you, buddy. Awesome. Okay, I might not be able to hear you guys because I have this really crappy old landline I have to use at my home. I have really bad service. So, uh, anyways, I'll try to humor you boys there. But uh, going to miss calling in for a few months here, boys. It's been a, uh, another great season from you guys, so props to that. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> I love it. You guys are going to get a ton of mileage out of that one. Oh, yeah. Like, that one is, is going to be a funny for a long time. Uh, not so great for the Canucks, uh, one could say, though. Uh, it was quite the debacle this year. Uh, so, I mean, all in all, looking at the moves in particular, I, I am excited to see next year how everybody looks healthy, like for sure. Like when you get Mikheyev back uh, and you get his blistering speed, right, on the, on the wing. Uh, I know you sat and Dan mentioned it a lot on Canuck Central. Uh, you're really excited to see Mikheyev and so am I. As well as Heronik, uh, I think... I think uh, if you put him with OEL, assuming that he's going to be here next year, um, dismissing a buyout, then that could work wonders for our decor for sure. Um, Who we're going to draft, too, is going to be interesting. I don't know uh, what our positioning is after tonight here, um, but I'm pretty excited to see that. And I really hope Dan Riccio, the naysayer, gets proved wrong next year and Kuz gets 50. That would be insane. The cruise missile. Um, give me a little bit of leash here, boys, if you okay. can. I just wanted to quickly talk about um, about Brock. Do a little segment on Brock and kind of his future with the team. It was a polarizing season for him um, with the 55 points, right, on par with his average, but minus 18, right? We all know the issues here. And it, it's really tough because Brock's my favorite player. He's been my favorite player for so long because um, <laughs> he reminds me a little bit of myself because he's, he's a slower guy. But he can shoot. He's got super good hand-eye and vision, right? Um, and I always thought he'd be a 40-goal guy. But I, I think this might be Brock Besser. Like, he might just be the 50-point, 20-goal guy. And, I mean, you can chalk it down to injuries, personal life, and, frankly, effort, right? But that just might, who he, like, might be who he is, a really good complimentary piece. But uh, I'm just curious to see what happens next year. But uh, if I were him, I'd work, I'd work really hard on his skating, right? He needs to get a lot faster for sure. Is there anything else that you got for us here, Nathan, before we let you Yeah, go? yeah, just just one little one little thing. Um, yeah, I mean, if you guys want to chat about that, go for it. But uh, okay. last little thing here. Going to miss you, Sat, waxing poetic about Petey's Swedish meatballs. 
Hey, boys, I'm out. Uh, thanks. That is uh, Nathan calling in. I mean, as far as... Um... By the way, I thought the whole point of a landline is to have good reception. <laughs> but, as, yes, I mean, but hey... That you know landline what? needs a rebuild. I mean, maybe it's an old landline. Yeah. It's a, maybe it's a 604 number. <laughs> um, do they even give those out anymore? I mean, I they're all so. taken up. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would say on the Besser stuff, which you kind of mentioned at the end, do we, should we just accept that he, this is who he is? Yeah, and, and look, it's it's tough to put up 50 points in the league. It is. And so much of the commentary has been not, is he a good or bad player? Does he fit what he's being asked to do? And is he being paid for the level of production you're getting? And I would say no to both of those questions. Again, he's a fine player. It just doesn't look like he's a fit to what the future of these Vancouver Canucks are going to look like. They yeah. want to play with more speed. They want more speed along the wing. And suddenly all these questions, like, you, again, you, you give him a pass on last year. It was clearly hard. And you give him another opportunity to kind of reclaim some of the glory that we've seen from Brock Besser, at least the potential. But now you're getting more data points of saying, okay, if you're a 50-point winger, that still has credibility across the league. It has value. The but question is, it, is how much value. Do people want to pay $6.8 million for it? That's, that's, that's always been the issue with him, hasn't that, it? That's what the conversation is. It always has been. Is he an him. NHL winger? Yes. Is he a top six winger? Probably a yeah, second is. line winger. He's a second line winger. But again, on a championship team, is he probably a middle six winger? Yeah. And he can play that role. It just it feels like it's going to be a different style fit for a team you know, that plays maybe a bit slower. I'm just not sure how, how what else they can do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the only thing. I'm just not sure what else they end up doing with Brock Besser ultimately because is it going to be easy to move that contract? And that's going to be the big question around him. All right, now let's continue on the phone boards. Let's take one more phone call. We'll get to see your text messages as well. Keep them coming in. A lot of good funny ones as always. Uh, we'll continue on, and this one is going to be in Surrey as well when we go to Ryan. Ryan, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, boys, uh, my call is not about Game 82. It's more reflection and final thoughts. Okay. So I was reminiscing about a Canucks game I attended back in March 2020. It was against Columbus, and I believe it was the second last game they played before the pandemic shut everything down. So mm-hmm. that night, some drunk fan beside me kept bad-mouthing Tyler Myers the whole game, every chance he got. And at one point, he said something along the lines of, why is he in the lineup? He makes so many mistakes. To which the guy behind him responded, there's no better alternative. Would you rather have Jalen Chatfield play instead? If someone told me how bad that comment would age three years later, I'd tell them they lost it. I know he's a bottom-paired defenseman, and it was a previous regime that rushed him and got him patient. But all this talk about the need for right-handed defensemen, and if you go down memory lane, Tanev, Stetcher, Chatfield, these are all affordable right-handed defensemen, all thriving elsewhere, that this organization let walk and could have used today. Perhaps there would not be a need to make that desperate trade for Aronik acquiring an injured defenseman for a first and a second from a solid draft class. What a joke. Eisenman fleeced this self-proclaimed progressive management group, watched the Red Wings win a cup within the next five years while the Canucks failed to even make a playoff round. All these posts on social media with the caption, next season starts now, get out of here. Next season started back in October. Garbage franchise, but you know what isn't garbage? The post-game show, Sportsnet 650. I'll tell you that for free. Thanks for taking my call. You have all done a tremendous job this season. Have a good summer. Have a good spring. Hey, I appreciate that, Ryan. Ryan, with some passion. I, I'm sensing a trend in our callers yeah. with the comment all of a sudden. I do, I do. But the good thing is, the good thing is, hey, we didn't catch the strays. It's like... <laughs> 
I didn't say anything bad about us, so that was all right. All right. Uh, we're, we are going to get to a more uh, text message, more of your phone calls on the other side. Keep calling in 604 280 or toll free 1 888 We'll get to more of your phone calls, more of your reaction, like the ones we're seeing uh, on our text inbox, 650 650. Like this one says, I don't ask for too much as a Canucks fans, but I want some playoff hockey. I hear you. I hear you. We'll talk about that, more of your text, more of your reaction, plus the head coach, and much, much more as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on. Canucks win Game 82, 5-4 in overtime against the Coyotes. Connor Garland with the hat trick, and the Canucks end up with 82 points in 82 games, 500 on the dot. Yeah. More coming up on the Home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Canucks. Spins back up the near boards. Cuts into the slot around Moser. Garland going right to the net, to the backhand. He scores! Connor Garland scores the hat-trick goal to win the last game of the season. It's his first career hat-trick. And the Canucks close out the year with a 5-4 victory on the road in Arizona. And Connor Garland gets his revenge in Arizona. A great move. Fakes the slap shot and then has the angle on Moser and just takes it straight to the net. Guarding the puck, going backhand on Vimelka to get the Canucks' second hat trick of the year. Welcome back to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Correction, this has been a night for me. Canucks had 83 points in 82 games. They're actually over 500. Canucks are not a 500 team. They're better than 500. Babe. Looks like they made it. For all the talk, under 500, they're over 500. Finish the season, 83 points. I have to be right. I'm making mistakes. So yeah, we're all about facts only today, right? Yeah, I, man, I know, I know, I know. I'm letting myself down tonight with all these mistakes. <laughs> I need a good off season. I need to finish the season strong. That's what I need to do next season. You know, no more, no more bad game 82s. I mean, what if this was a playoff game and I performed like this? Yeah, you're, you're one of those mid-tier vests that just didn't bring it tonight. No, definitely not. I was very much uh, <laughs> Anthony Bavillier-like tonight on the forecheck. <laughs> just kind of there, but not really. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing tonight. All right, I'm trying uh, to put a name on it, but it's good. Somebody's going to catch a stray if I'm, if I'm having a tough night. Uh, let's get a couple of these text messages in. 650-650. Uh, Owen and Burnaby says, I agree. Hiroshi's played a solid game, as did McWard. Hiroshi seems more cerebral with his play, whereas McWard has a physical style to his game, and he doesn't panic. Can't wait to see what an offseason with foot does for these two. I'm actually excited for next year now that we have some options. That's Owen and Burnaby. Colin in Vancouver, how many times have we seen this story when meaningless games and ruin draft position following year team reverts back to below average again this is why we have been a below average team for so many years staying in that mushy middle is frustrating Colin in Vancouver uh, we asked for favorite moments uh, over the course of the year unsigned text here favorite mo- moment Patterson hitting 100 points uh, least favorite moment uh, I have two f- moments First, however, uh, Canucks management treated Bruce, and second, how they started the season. They cannot start off slow again and have a huge losing streak to start the year. 
Yeah, so uh, I hope that doesn't happen, but I see the skepticism. We have a lot of that on the text inbox, uh, 650, 650. I understand where fans are coming from. And uh, this one here says, Hey, guys, my mom, Bonnie, wants to thank you for a great broadcast season. And please tell Kuzmenko that she has a whole bunch of pierogies for him to get the throw, get him <laughs> through the summer. <laughs> yeah, shouts to Bonnie and thanks for texting in. And uh, we'll, we'll get to more of your thoughts on text messages here as the show goes on. We are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett. It's not going to be a long media availability, but we'll get to him coming up in just a few moments' time. And we had a question earlier, when are they going to meet with uh, media for season-ending presser? Uh, Expectation is Saturday for the players and Monday for management. Yes, so uh, expect that on Saturday morning. And we are going to have coverage live from that event on Saturday. So um, we're back at it on Saturday. Uh, Just stay tuned. We'll have the end-of-season media availability with the players and also coming up on Monday with management. Let's continue on the phone board, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And we'll start things off in Gibson, where Sahel Sahel is on the line. Sahel, thanks for calling in. Uh, What do you have for us tonight? Uh, Hey, boys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay, perfect. Um, I just want to say, I'm just just Canucks team, man. It's just every single year, I feel or at least these past two years, we end up with season. We're like, okay, let's look next year. Let's look next year. We're always saying that. Like, it's the same thing over and over again. What? I'm 16. I've never seen. I mean, it was in 2015, but I was too young. I haven't <laughs> seen this team in the playoffs ever. Like. You, I feel you guys had the great teams of like 94 of 2010. I've never gone to experience that like ever, not even just going to the playoffs. And I'm just tired of it. And I hope they'll make it next year. I really do before I graduate high school. And yeah, that's my, that's my wish. Thanks a lot, guys. Hey man, you got it. And I hope, I hope it happens. Uh, I know I, when, when we hear these things, people text us like, try 53 years. I, I, I love the scope <laughs> of some of these things where people be like, I just hope they do it before I die, yeah. or I hope before I turn 50, hope before I get married with kids, and here's Sohiel saying that, before I graduate high school. I get it. You yeah. know what? I mean, it's it, listen, if you're a fan and all you've seen is this, I get, I get it. You want to see Even if it's been a sh- small small sample mm-hmm. of it, I hope so. I, I really hope we have the playoffs next season, just, just for any everybody's sanity, everyone's sanity. I'm not going to do a rant right now, but trust me. Nobody wants to see the postseason more than we do, or some of you obviously do as fans. You've been dying for this to happen, so hopefully we see it coming up next season. Uh, let's continue on the phone board, 604-280-0650. And uh, let's go to Scottsdale, Arizona, where we have Bobby on the line. Bobby, what's going on, man? Uh, what do you got for us tonight? Hey, gents. I've been on before um, probably complaining more than I should have, but tonight I'm just going to celebrate uh, – you guys, you are like a Stanley Cup champion broadcast team. That goes for Batch, Randeep, Shorty. I got to actually get my picture taken tonight with Cheech. Let's go. Um, he was he was leading Murph, and, and, and I just said, you got to take a picture with me. I've been there 53 years with the team. But all I really wanted to say is thank you. You guys are there every night of every game, and uh, I really enjoy listening to you guys. And as far as the team goes, Let's see what happens this offseason. Rick Tockett, um, he's the guy, and he's going to demand a lot of them in the offseason. So that's it for me. Thanks for a great year. Let's hope for a good offseason and a good start to next season. All right, boys. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Bobby. Appreciate the phone call, man. Thanks for for the kind words as well. We appreciate you very much. And enjoy Scottsdale, Arizona. Hopefully bigger and better things for the team next season. as And, yeah, we really appreciate that. The real MVP, uh, Cheech. 
Cheech. We'll, we'll play story time from Cheech uh, in just a bit. But again, look, we, we have such a blast doing this, and it's because we get to interact with all of you guys as well. So uh, we appreciate the kind words, and they are reciprocated right back. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, let's continue on in Abbotsford, where we go to John. John, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for, the, for us tonight? John. All right, uh, we'll try to get back to John and Abbotsford coming up in just a moment's time. Uh, we got John now. John, what's going on? What do you have for us? Hello? Hi, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, John? Oh, uh, good, yeah. I just want to talk about the how what the Canucks can do in the offseason to try and make a push for the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I... Yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, I was just thinking they need to pick up um, a veteran backup goalie if they want to try and make a playoff push this year. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that either. What else do you uh, what are you thinking about the offseason that you think they need? Oh, yeah, I was thinking they need to pick up some fourth line players because this year, the, you can see that like with players like Nils Amon and Sheldon Drys just not hitting the numbers that the Canucks were looking for this year. Yeah, hey, uh, John, thanks for your thoughts and thanks for your phone call. Appreciate you calling in here tonight. You know, on the thought of fourth line, mm-hmm. like I do think when you look at this team, like. Uh, yeah, they have guys on that fourth line. Niels Ullmann, I think, is going to be there. But I don't think Sheldon Dries, despite having contract for next year, is going to be penned in or penciled into the lineup. And and the big thing for me is those depth players need to be able to play a role, like penalty killing. They finished the season 71.6% on the penalty kill. 0.5 away from the Anaheim Ducks. And it's it just, just not good enough. That needs to not even just improve a little bit. It needs to improve a lot. And look, I know... Back into the season, it did get better, and they, they were a bit more uh, aggressive as far as trying to score goals. But the truth is, they just need to be more solid in their own zone. And if they can just get that bit up to 80%, I think it starts to go a long way to, to cover some of the flaws. Yes, I think so too. I think that's kind of the, the gap you have to make up here at this stage. Uh, let's go back to the... Go on. Just being league average? No, like, I mean, it, it, it will help so much, just being league average. Forget about it even being elite. No, league average gives you a chance to win a hockey game, right? League average goaltending gives you a chance to win most games, right? That's what you hope for. So you need backup goaltending that can give you a chance. Better environment, better structure helps you out. And I still kind of agree that they... I like to have another person... I don't know if you have to bring Delia back or not. I almost like to have another option, cheap option, you know, not a lot of money, like a million or less. That maybe is a bit safer potentially. So if you have to lean on him a bit more, maybe you get a bit more out of him, but that's kind of what you're looking at there. Uh, let's try to get another phone call in here before we get to more text messages and get to the head coach here. Uh, let's go to Maple Ridge where we have Gary on the line. Gary, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Uh, first of all, can you hear me all right? Yes, we got gotcha. you. Good. Uh, I had a, Spirited chat with your uh, producer. Uh, we didn't agree, but uh, I still like the guy. He's good at what he does. Um, I was going to just mention this. Uh, Kuzmenko was not on the top uh, power play unit uh, all the way through the game. Uh, he finally came out on the overtime with Pedersen. Uh, that didn't come out. And uh, uh, sure... Connor, McDo- uh, Connor Garland got three goals. We, if I'm a fan, and I am a fan of the Canucks, been a fan of them for years. If um, I will go to a hockey game, I'm interested in watching Kuzmenko, Pedersen, um, uh, Miller, 
uh, Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser. I'm not interested in necessarily in the third line players. I know Connor Garland. Um, you know, we we have him. He scores goals, but he's not he's not a top star on the hockey club. And for Rick Tockett to do what he's doing, that's all fine and good. But I don't watch. I don't go to see him either. I go to see the stars. And in my opinion, I don't care if we won five four because. I know I and people hate to hear this, but I'm a Boston Bruin fan since Bobby Orsman was in the league, and they will win the Stanley Cup. And Rick Tockett didn't didn't play with them, but uh, my opinion, I think it was just I would have liked to seen 40 goals from Kuzmenko simply because when he scores uh, scores goals, it's fun to watch. And what's more important, fun to watch or winning five four when when the game doesn't matter. Thanks, guys. And by the way, uh, I think we just dropped uh, Gary there. But uh, he was going to say, "By the way, great work on the broadcast." This appreciate year. that, Gary. Thanks for the phone call. I'm not sure that's what you meant, but we're taking. That's how we're. Uh, that's <laughs> that's how we are uh, taking care of that one. Uh, a lot of text messages coming in here. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one says, "Hey, Sohail, sorry, kid. I'm 50. Buckle up and welcome to Suckville." <laughs> Oh, yeah, you knew it was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. Uh, Let's get uh, another couple of texts in here before we get back uh, to the phone line. Uh, This one, um, my favorite part of the season was the end of the season. Least favorite part was the winning meaningless games down the stretch for what felt like the 10th year in a row. Alistair in Victoria texting in 650-650. Kyle Burroughs needs to be re-signed, unsigned texts as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, as far as Cal Burroughs is concerned, I mean, I'm fine with re-signing him as long as it's like a cheap contract, which it would be, right? You're talking 700K, 800K, something along those lines, comes and fights for a spot like this year. I'm for it. You know, I, th- I think that's what we're kind of looking at here uh, in terms of him. Uh, a lot of reaction. This one says, great year, guys. I'm so happy this is over. This hockey has become a not-so-positive distraction from a dramatic world. I truly hope I never see Tyler Myers in a Canucks uniform again. Go Canucks, go. That's Sea Legs texting in. Um, and uh, Matt and Delta text in and says, what do you feel the likelihood is of the Canucks trading the first round pick instead of using it in the draft? Wish you guys the best. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Matt and Delta texting in. I still say the odds of them pick, trading the first round pick are long. I don't see it happening. Nor should I mean, I don't think they should be trading the pick, and I don't think they are trading the pick. I'd be surprised. Yeah. And if it were to materialize, I imagine it would be one that we look at and say, okay, that makes some semblance of sense. But I still don't foresee that happening. It, it, it does feel like they don't want to operate into deficit. The pick that they move was extra. Yes. And they get it to fit an age profile that matches what they're trying to do. But I think there's an understanding that they do need to consider and be aware of the next wave of talent that's coming. They've They've done a great job creating enough depth for a backfill of that age range, that 21 to 24-year-old range that this organization organization just doesn't have because of the missed draft picks and the lack of draft picks for the previous regime in that 2017 to 2020 range. And so they've done a pretty good job. Like the the Hiroses, just that style of player. 
they've helped fill that out. You throw in an Archie Baines in there, Nils Oman, those types of players. But now you do you do still have to chase the high end, and there's not enough high end cavalry coming for the Vancouver Canucks. So it's going to be important for them to pick a make that selection. And I suspect it would be you know, if, I, if I had to make a guess, I'd lean towards sixty five percent of being a forward. Yeah, I'd say so. Based on kind of what the draft looks like there, I know people have mentioned David Reinbacher. I don't know if he's going to be there at eleven. Kind of sense, and hey, it's early still. We're still a few months away, but they right, could win the lottery by then. They could. I mean, if they win the lottery, then hey, fantastic! And they could finish first or second. They could win the lottery for the first pick. They can win the lottery for the second pick. All these things are possible. Likely different story, but they are possible now. Overall, though, I, I'd say the back end wise, Reinbacher seems to be the player who might rise. And if he rises, there's still uh, Pelika there, Sandin Pelika, who's a righty defenseman, two Swedish player. I wonder if they like him. He may factor in there. But it seems, at least at, for the time being, you're right. The best player available is likely going to be a forward, perhaps even a centerman, which might be hard for them to pass up at that point if they are indeed still picking at number 11. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Let's continue on here. Brad and Delta says, can't stand the negativity on the call, so let's end the year on some good cheat stories. About 30 years ago, I was going to the bank with my dad and Delta. I am blind, and he's guiding me through the door. Someone held the door for us, and my dad leaned over and said, John Garrett held the, held the door for you. I went over and had a good Canucks conversation. Nice guy, and we'll always remember it. Went to a lot of games as a kid when Cheech was playing. He will be missed on the broadcast. All the best in retirement. Thanks, guys. I am confident about the fall. Clearly in the minority. Take care, Brad and Delta. Brad, thanks for the shout. That's and awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Another story that shows you what a great person above all John Garrett is. I'm excited for story time with Cheech. Yeah, we are going to play story, story time with Cheech, and uh, it... it it's obviously a sad day, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we watched Cheech, Murph, and uh, Shorty at the end. We see some clips. It's very emotional. You know, we all love Cheech. And it's an end of an era here on the Canucks Regional Broadcast on Sportsnet Pacific, seeing John Garrett. And uh, what a what a thrill it has been to have him part of everything here in Canucks Nation. Uh, we are going to get to more of your reaction, more of your phone calls as well. So keep stay on the phone lines. Keep your reaction coming in. We are going to hit your text messages as the show goes on. Tons of messages. We're trying to get to as many as we possibly can, but we appreciate every single one, of course. But as we mentioned, the head coach, Rick Tockett, here he is after the Canucks win 5-4 in overtime. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a you know, weird game, right? I <clears throat> thought the Coyotes really worked hard, uh, basically the second and third. We got the, the win, but, it, you know, it's one of those games. Uh, I think both teams just want to get the season over with. Yeah. Good to see Connor Garland get the hat trick there. Yeah, he was actually uh, one of the few guys for us where was hustling out there. So it was nice to see guards get three goals. Play good tonight. Obviously, you've had him here. It's, uh, has, has he evolved since you took over the team? <clears throat> no, guards has been working hard. I mean, he's a, he's a you know, he's a guy that uh, for his size, you know, he plays – plays with his heart so um, yeah played well for me in, uh, in Arizona he's played well for me in Vancouver how do you assess uh, your time here and how is it developing heading to next season yeah a lot of some good things and some stuff that we have to work on here you know, we have a ways to go um, got four months to to get ourselves ready for the for the training camp so that's what you know the teams that don't make the playoffs you got to utilize that four months off uh, how do you get better 
That is Rick Tockett after the game. Not a lot there. We'll hear more from him in depth, of course, on Monday when management and coach meet with the media. The players meet with the, meet with the media for locker cleanout day on Saturday. So, and the Vancouver Canucks just confirmed those times as well. Is it ten thirty on Saturday? So it, it'll, Saturday it'll be ten thirty, and then it is described as early afternoon on Monday. If I had to make a educated guess, uh, around one o'clock. Yeah, I, I'd say. That's probably what it is. But stay tuned on Sportsnet 650, especially on Saturday. We'll have exclusive coverage of the Canucks media availability. Myself and Dan Riccio. Canucks Central on Saturday is coming up. So we'll bring you all that uh, on all the coverage that you would need in terms of what else the players have to say. Uh, man, we have so much reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. Jay and Poco, that's it for me. I put my fan card on the shelf for a while. I lost my care. This needless winning shows me nothing changed from the last decade. For Van's own sake, they better translate this into winning next year or look out. So that's Jay and Poco texting in. We have a lot of this, uh, that type of you know reaction coming in, of course. Uh, this one here says, I miss the goosebumps inducing playoff hockey. Those big moments from 94 and 2011 were overdue for it. And that is well said. We are overdue for something like that, Bick. Real playoff hockey. Real playoff race. You know? Would be nice. It would be fantastic. Uh, and also, just to uh, just go back to the point of when they are talking. Uh, it's going to be Patrick Alvin and Rick Tockett meeting with media. Yeah, so no Jim Rutherford. No Jim Rutherford. All right. Well, he said he's going to take a step back, and it's been really, ever since he met with the media last time, he really hasn't done any media availability. So it has been Alvin's show publicly, at least so far. Um, Raymond says, as someone that graduated during the Stanley Cup run in 2011, I feel for that caller. Last year has made me numb, and I try not to get mad, but what are the Canucks organization trying to do? Do they actually believe this team is close to a cup? It's wild to me. They all think winning a game that literally makes you fall in the draft is smart. Make it make sense to me. Thanks. That is Raymond texting in. So a lot of that as well, of course, on the text inbox. Uh yeah, for all the texts that are coming in about where was Rick Tockett, was he doing the interview in a shower? It's a mullet arena for you, baby. It's a mullet arena. It's, uh, it's, it's part of the charm. <laughs> part of the charm. That's oh, a joke of an arena. Seriously. <laughs> Absolute joke. 5,000-seat arena. What a... I don't know. Don't get me started. The, the amount of comments I got from Sat during the game. Oh, it's just a, it's a joke. I mean, I made a joke on Twitter, and I didn't mean it. I said, like, you know, this reminds me of a preseason game, like, in, in Nanaimo. I told you not to say it. I know, it. people in Nanaimo get mad. My point wasn't to be mad at people in Nanaimo. I'm like, you can, like, if you can hold an NHL game here, you can hold a preseason game in Nanaimo, and that'll be far better, and at least the stakes will be just like this, right? Meaningless game. I'd rather have them in, in Nanaimo. It felt like a Kraft Hockeyville game to you, didn't it? Yeah, it did, didn't it? It was a Kraft Hockeyville like game. It. That's what it did. That's what it was, a Kraft Hockeyville game. That's exactly what it was. Good shout there from. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Fast Eddie Gregory. Uh, we also take jokes per 60. Oh, yes, please. Uh, this one. I think this is a joke. I've had it with this team. I'm not watching them till next season. <laughs> That's wrong. That's, That's wrong. fantastic. I like it. Brandon and Poco. Once again, sad news about SFU's football program ending. And if the Canucks keep losing, should uh, the, the owners also end his hockey program the Aquilini's ender hockey program jokes for 60 Brandon and Poco I don't think that's going to happen it's a little bit different you don't have a board making decisions taking the team away but jokes for 60 they're, they're always welcome on the post game show alright uh, we'll hit more of your comments on the text inbox let's get one more phone call in here before we hit the break and come back we'll do story time with Cheech and we we'll do more reaction here of course on the post game show uh, but let's go to Jennifer in Vancouver Jennifer thanks for calling in uh, what do you have for us tonight Hey guys, as usual, great show. Um, what I got for you is a suggestion for a program segment, and we'll call it Groundhog Day. So, 
like November the 7th, you know, 2022, uh, the Canucks are officially eliminated from the playoffs. And then November 27th, 2023, or 20th, whatever date I said, anyway. Uh, you know, and they'll say where they're at and whether there's any improvement. And it just, it's been Groundhog Day for years. I've been watching these Canucks since I, well, for years. And it's, just continues to be disappointment after disappointment, and they keep saying it's going to be different, and we get our hopes up a little bit, and then we get disappointed, but we just keep coming back. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, just have some fun with it, and yeah. uh, and and thanks for doing what you guys do. Hey, uh, Jennifer, thanks for the phone call. appreciate the kind words, and you know, whether Canucks fans are gluttons or punishment, whatever it is, hey, it's your favorite team. You come back and you hope for the best. I'm a Browns fan. Every year, I hope for something better next season. And very seldom, if ever, does it happen. But I'm the sucker back next year saying week one. Always next year. Always next year. Uh, I, I will say, look, very common sentiments. And hey, we've been facts only about the stuff today. She's saying facts only. And everyone else saying it's Groundhog Day. Same thing. Facts only. And, and it's not upon you to change the cycle. No, it's, not it's not upon not. you to change the narrative. <laughs> it's the team. Yeah, they, absolutely. They're the ones that got to put in some work uh, one way or another. Uh, improve or de-escalate and, and I don't want to say tank, but you know, spin it the other way. Yes, but they're going the improve route. And, man, they got to get it right. 100%. They have to get it right. They do. They absolutely have to get it right. Uh, man, so much reaction on the text inbox. One more joke per 60 before we hit the break here. Man from Manila. The Canucks did not miss the playoffs. They just ran out of games to play. Hashtag jokes for 60. <laughs> That's good. Fantastic. All right. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages, more, more of your reaction as well. And we are going to do story time with Cheech as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central Post Game Show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win a face-off in the Arizona zone to our left. Kyle Burrows with a shot for the line. Tip, they score. Connor Garland in the slot. Deflects it past Karel Vamelka. And it's 4-1 Canucks. Garland's got his second of the period. The revenge game from Connor Garland. Two goals in this one already in the first period. Canucks win 5-4 in overtime. Connor Garland with a hat trick to help the Canucks in their victory over the Arizona Coyotes. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And Bick, we're just going to continue with the reaction here for now. I mean, tons of phone calls, tons of text messages coming in. And we'll keep sharing your thoughts and your comments uh, as the show goes on here. The final show of the year. I mean, we've been giving tons yeah. of thoughts. We're really handing over a lot of the reaction to you to get your final thoughts in for the season. And, you know, for you those heard thoughts from cowards like us for 81 games. We'll turn it over. <laughs> to you for 82. So from these cowards to those cowards? <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying for us. For us. Alright, fantastic stuff. Uh, it's been a blast this season. And for those wondering, I mean, just because the postgame show is over, it doesn't mean we're off the airwaves. I mean, Big's going to do the people show Monday to Friday, 3 to 4. I'm on Connect Central with Dan Riccio, Monday to Friday, 4 to 6. And we'll continue the regular uh, programming up until, what, mid-July? So we'll take you through mm-hmm. free agency, the draft. So we have tons of coverage coming up. It's just the postgame shows are away for now, but always a lot of fun. And uh, you're likely to hear some NHL playoffs as well on yes. the airwaves, which uh, schedule just dropped. New mixtape just dropped uh, for the uh, <laughs> NHL playoffs. Monday, April 17th. 
things will get underway in uh, Boston and Florida. And then Tuesday, Tampa and Toronto gets going. Uh, sorry, Monday, uh, Florida at Boston, Islanders at Carolina. So Horvat will be playing on uh, Monday and Wednesday. And then Toronto and New Jersey will play on Tuesday and Thursday of next week. Uh, still two be determined Minnesota or Seattle at Dallas, but they'll play on the Monday, uh, the along with the Edmonton LA series, and then Tuesday and Thursday in the West will be Colorado as the home seed versus Minnesota or Seattle, and Winnipeg at Vegas will also be on Tuesday. All right, fantastic! Can't wait for the postseason, and we'll break down the postseason tomorrow on a lot of our shows here on Sportsnet six fifty. Enough with the beef, more about the shows, more with breakdowns, right? Well, we'll see. We'll see what tomorrow has in store for us. All right, uh, pro drama though. Yeah, who doesn't like some drama in their lives? Well, maybe too much drama for Canucks fans. Maybe a little less drama is better for everybody involved. Uh, let's go back to the phone boards here, 604-280-0650, and we'll start things off in Port Moody with Cody. Cody, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, hey, boys. Uh, good job this year with the coverage. Uh, just a couple quick comments. Uh, like We've had such bad luck. I'd, we're almost due to hit this Bedard uh, lottery pick. I know the odds are bad, but like it's it's about time we get some good luck in that regard. Mm-hmm. The team is not that far away from the playoffs. I think next year we're in for sure. Pod goals and a couple guys step up their role and they're uh, take a new step. And we, uh, we, I think we're I think we're there. A couple moves quickly. Ekman Larson is going to be tough to buy out, and hopefully he can just bounce back and have a better year uh, next year. And uh, we need a captain next year. Uh, Hughes sounds like he could be the guy, but we need we need a captain next year. Talk it like that, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks, boys. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, that is Cody calling in in Port Moody. Let's keep things going. I want to get everybody's phone calls in here, people waiting patiently to get on. Uh, but I-, I don't know if they'll name a captain next year. Yeah, there's but- been a lot of questions about that this evening. Uh, I-, I think probably not. Yeah. One-year audition. Yeah, I, I don't think think i mean we'll see i think i'd rather see a one-year audition but um i guess it's a possibility how will we rank the possibility do you right now if you have to guess do you think oh, Patterson's is more likely or Hughes more likely hughes has been more forefront in the I forefront can't say co-favorites no that's copping out because that's an easy answer to you know I'd my, almost say I'd almost lean Hughes. Not my, to say my he's head a says Hughes, my heart says Pedersen. Yeah, I, I just wonder if Pedersen truly wants it. Sure. Yeah. And if he doesn't truly want it, then it is going to be Quinn Hughes, and that's what I wonder about. So if I had to lean today, and I I reserve the right to amend my take on this, but trying to answer the question, if it's I like had all to guess, you yeah, you reserve the right to amend. If you get new information, new information change, comes to light. Yeah, you change your opinion. It's intellectual if, flexibility. If it's comp- compelling enough, then yes, you should be changing your mind. But that's what I would say for now. For now, uh, all right. Uh, let's continue on the phone board, 604-280-0650. Uh, and we'll go to Keith in Poco. Keith, thanks for calling in, man. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, great. Yeah, so as you guys just mentioned, well, uh, I wanted to just firstly uh, thank, uh, uh, is it Fast Eddie Gregory on the uh, on the board yeah, there? He's doing a great job. Yeah, I wanted to support Gary, Gary in Maple Ridge. I love Kuzmenko. It's so great. He's doing anything at Pastime Sports. If you guys get a chance to get out there, that's great. Um, also, the thing about, uh, yeah, I think maybe Rick, is, Rick Talk is being a little bit too hard on him. But at the same time, obviously, he's very receptive, so that's great. And as far as the captaincy goes, I think what you're talking about, the one-year trial, is great. And I think uh, Hughes would be a great option. And uh, you guys have been doing a great job. Keep up the great work. I always listen to you guys during the week. Uh, and uh, shout out to Vic as well. Love your football and all that good stuff. Keep up the good work, guys. Take care. 
Great stuff. Thanks for the phone call, Thank Keith. Thank you Appreciate kindly. the kind words. Uh, let's continue on and go to John in Poco. John, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Oh, hey, guys. Um, Chad, I know, like, you and Dan during the Connect Central the last couple of days have been, you know, discussing what, what could the Canucks have legitimately done to, you know, maybe not won as many games down the stretch, mm-hmm. you know, you're comparing to with Washington and St. Louis. And I, I think one thing they could have done, you know, is I think legitimately they could have held Demko out another two to two and a half weeks from returning from his injury because, I mean, let's face it, it's a $25 million investment, so they could say, we really want to make sure you're ready. And they possibly lose another four to five games with the Delia spencer martin tandem because those guys, you know, we weren't getting great goaltending prior to Demko coming back. So that might, I mean, you know, five or eight or ten points that they didn't, you know, they didn't accrue, you know, would put them down around sixth or seventh or fifth grade. So that's, that's just one thing I think they could have legitimately done. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for the phone call. John and Poco calling in. I mean, they did, so they said initially it was going to be, what, six weeks for Thatcher Demko mm-hmm. ended up being three months. And just to clarify, like Martin went down before Demko was ready. Yeah. Seelovs played Seelovs a handful played of games. games. And look, 21-year-olds, I think the list is 19 or 24 deep or something like that, yeah, of goalies that are 21 years or old that have played in the NHL in the past decade. So it's a small list. They kind of did an outlier. He played a handful of games, obviously. Uh, things ultimately improved, but Demko didn't come back until Rick Tockett had enough runway to really instill what he wants to see defensively, right? Initially, look, there was a couple of 6-1 games there. Seattle and Detroit, and then Demko kind of comes back as things were starting to turn around and propels them the rest of the way. Definitely think the bump is more of a Demko-related than Tockett, but they they really held out on Demko as long as they possibly could. There was even a setback in there, yeah. which pushed it back another handful of days, so... I don't know how feasibly how feasible you could get less games out of Demko. As far as the usage when he returned, okay, yeah, you can probably get three less games. Yeah, three or four less games. I mean, potentially, right? And hey, like I said before, like I was on board with not playing Quinn Hughes twenty seven minutes a game, not your forwards as much as you played them. And same thing with the Demko starts. When you go through the players they have available and you compare it to other teams, you can understand why the usage was high. And still, I think the usage could, could come down. But you have to be fair and look at you know different situations and context to it, right? The biggest thing, like I mentioned before, is making the coaching change. The thing that made the biggest difference was a coaching change and then Demko coming back and playing as well as he did. You know? And, and that's ultimately what really pushed this team towards the amount of victories they got late in the season here. Uh, all right. Uh, somebody texted in here and said, let me just bring this up because I want to make sure I get it right. And uh, Let me read a text in. Okay, uh, go ahead and do that. Before you get to that one. Uh, this one, uh, Josh and Victoria, does the fact the Islanders pick going to Detroit will be no higher than 18th change of mind on the value of the Hronik trade? We touched on this a little bit earlier, thinking the intermission, uh, that one's from Josh and Victoria. Um, now that you know the baseline of what it is, you get 17th is what it is and send the second to, to get a fourth back. It can only improve, right? If the Islanders win around, then the pick goes up. I, I think that's fine. Look, I, I didn't mind... The trade, I just didn't understand the timing of it. Yes. Why did you have to do it at the deadline? Could Would that deal not have been there in the summer? I think the value proposition of it makes total sense. Rasmus Ristolainen goes for a 14th uh, overall. Uh, Romanov goes 13th overall. 13th overall. 
I'll take Hronik over both of those yeah, guys. Yeah, and the difference, if you want to move up from 18 to 13, I'm not sure it costs a second, but it could. Something along those lines. So it is, it's ballpark value to the, what those trades were. When you, Now that we know the overall value value of that trade and what the Canucks got back in return. Mike says, just ran the draft lottery simulator 10 times, 11th every time, except when we got 12th. So I haven't ran it in a really long time. Okay. Should we do it tonight? Let's do it tonight. You want to do it on the other side? Yeah. Okay, let's wait on that. We'll, we'll tease it. And Take we'll some calls here from Take Cheech. Take some calls. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do it. We'll get there. Uh, let's go back to the phone boards. Let's go to Grand Prairie where we, where we have Travis on the line. Travis, thanks for calling in. Uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts this evening and the end of this 82-game season? That was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst season ever. I've been a fan since 82, which I said several times before. But the reason I say that is just so you know, I'm not some new person to hockey. Um, the 80s were very painful. And I was a teenage. Uh, I wasn't quite a teenager in the 80s. And the Oilers just winning cup after cup after cup was terrible. Um, and I see that all these hockey guys come in, the managers, the coaches, the new general managers, such... And they do all their homework and they prepare. Do we want to take the Canucks on? Yes, whatever, whatever. They do all this preparation for the job. But they don't study our recent history. Because the GM's got to know players one, two, three, four, five in this pick could be difference makers. I don't ever believe we'd get first overall just because I've been a Canuck fan for so long in our luck. But they got to know we're going to get one of the top five. So they made the coaching change right away. To me, that was, that was a blunder. That was almost Jim Benning level. They should have kept Bruce. For some reason, as loved as Bruce was, the players weren't performing for him. So if they would have kept Bruce, they would have drove it right into the ground. I don't understand why they made that choice. And then I'm going to say something very controversial. I honestly okay. don't think Quinn would be a good captain. I love him. I absolutely love him. He's so mellow and nice and and everything we just had that with Bo so anyway thanks guys uh thanks for the phone call and I mean yeah you know honestly I don't know if Quinn is mellow he's he's got some defiance in him. he does he's the question just comes down to um what type of accountability can you hold in the sure. locker room that's what it comes down to to yep. me like can you be the, a guy that people respect as a leader and can you make sure you maintain a level of accountability and you're willing to do all everything else that goes into being a captain. People are different when it comes to being captains. And to be honest, none of us know if Quinn's going to be a good one. I don't know if Pedersen's going to be a good one. Like, we won't know until, you know, either guy gets it. But that's kind of where we're at right now. It looks like it's going to be one of those two players, ideally, organizationally. And we'll see if it even uh, if it does come to that, too, uh, by the end of it. Man, we have so much reaction on text inbox pick. Uh, 650-650. Let's try to get a few of these in here before we squeeze in another call before the top of the hour. Uh, this one says, Ronick likely has more bidders in the offseason, driving up the acquisition price and what the team ultimately paid. And, I mean, potentially, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's a fair price. I mean, the price wasn't ridiculous, and now that you see what it was for Hironic, it, it kind of aligns for what defensemen like that get in terms of acquisition prices. Uh, Gary and North Shore, are we really on the hope bus? Really, the Canucks are at least seven draft picks away from playoffs. Look at others in the conference as Gary and North Shore. Uh, and Brandon and Poco, you guys work harder than the hockey team you cover on your station. So we'll take that. Whew, I don't know that. <laughs> Thank you, though. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Man, I did, 
did not expect the love in today. Oh, it's been fantastic. Big so, shouts to you all. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for all your kind words. If we missed some of it, uh, you know, I apologize for not getting to it. Jeff Rowe Texan, our good friend, wanted to thank you guys for all the hard work. I never realized how many consecutive days you guys work until this year. Also, special thanks for taking time out of your guys' busy schedule to come and say hi. You guys made the best game, bet the best game of the year and the season. I'll never forget it in a lost season for the team. You guys are my buddies, so peace out, bros. Thanks again, Jeff Rowe. Appreciate you, Jeff Rowe. Appreciate every single one of you participating in the post-game show here tonight and throughout the course of this season. Uh, this one here says, don't underestimate the complaints. Don't understand the complaints from winning meaningless games. We're guaranteed a shot at Bedard is what one text message says. They have a shot. 3% chance. 3%. 3%. And we'll play the draft lottery simulator later on, and, and we'll see where the Canucks end up. And Don and Penticton, 53-year proud fan, worst part of the season, hands down, the treatment of Boudreaux, one of the most embarrassing stories of hockey history. He was a model of class and patience. I hope Bruce, there it is, rings through another arena one day, Don and Penticton. So somebody did bring up, others have brought up, the low point of the season, and then many people think it is Bruce Boudreaux. And like Travis mentioned, he thinks they should have held on to him to ensure the losing ways yeah uh, you know i was talking to ian mcintyre early today who will join us uh, in just a little bit he was on with me on the people show uh, early today which you can grab on the pod I just asked him like how many parallels he sees to the late 90s and is, is this one worse and you know it was, it was very comparable for ian and the, there's no way to dispute that the brand didn't take a hit mm-hmm. no of course it, the it, brand took a hit i mean Huge hit. Absolutely. There's and no question about it. There, there's fractures for t- towards f- for fans, and they're totally justifiable. And I, I don't think there's transactions that are going to fix it. it it's going to be like this all summer. Like, if, if you get frustrated at this, be prepared to be frustrated in the summer. The only thing that cures this is winning. Exactly. That's it. 100%. It, it's, it's too far gone to say, hey, this one thing, this one message, this one transaction – is going to be the one that salves people. The only thing that cures this is winning. It's gone on too long. And at this stage, and Rebuild could do it too, but yeah. that's clearly not happening. The only thing that solves this is next season they start winning. That's it. That's the only thing. I mean, and you have to start winning. I mean, they came into this season trying to win, and they didn't win. So what do you have to do next year, coming back into it? And now that you said you want to be a playoff team next season, the clock's ticking already, right? Uh, This text came in here, and it said, I wonder wonder what Earl is up to. Can't wait for the next season, Mr. Canuck. Well, Earl and Mission is actually on the line. Let's go to Earl. Earl Earl and Mission, let's bring him in for the final postgame show. Earl, we're up against the clock. We have about 90 seconds here. What are your thoughts on the season? Well, I, I could fill a whole year's worth of, of commentary because I stayed away for a long time. Yeah, no kidding. Um, my, my dad was a, an original season ticket holder from 1970. And, of course, I wanted him to see a Stanley Cup before he passed, but that didn't happen. But he, he taught me not to say anything if he didn't have anything positive to say. So I guess I didn't call in for a whole year. Uh, and that's kind of a joke for 60, but uh, I got a few of those. Yeah. So. Anyways, I've, because COVID was over, I actually got to have some interaction with players and staff and stuff like that. So it was cool to uh, be able to talk to people like Myers and, and have conversations where they understood how important it was to tank. Okay, so when people criticize him, I just, I just hate that because he is a competitor. And um, I mean, I think Talkit is the right guy. I was on television 
praising Boudreaux, telling him that we love him. You know, that was a CTV uh, segment back on January 23rd. So um, my son was the one holding up the, the heart-shaped Horvath sign. Oh, attaboy. The, 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 day, the day before he got it traded. Hey, Earl, thanks for the phone the call. Tra- the, tra- the trade was good. The trade was good. Uh, yeah, appreciate the phone call. We're up against the clock. We have to go to break here. We'll be back again for some more on the other side. We'll hear story time with Cheech plus IMAC and a bit more of your reaction after the Canucks lose or win their final home game 5-4 in overtime and more coming up on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And then we got a fight here. Kyle Burrows going to drop the gloves with Josh Brown. Inside the Arizona line. Burrows with a hard right hand. Then an uppercut on Brown. Brown comes around with the right hand as well. Knocks Burrows' helmet off. Burrows trying to stand in there. Neither of them can get their right free. Now Brown comes around with a hard right. Burrows answers back. Trying to connect. Brown with another short punch. Gets the right hand free. Trying to throw haymakers. Burrows holding on. The linesmen get in and separate them. Canucks win. Connor Garland with a hat-trick. 5-4 victory over... Arizona Coyotes, and this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650, and, you know, a lot of reaction has been coming in to on Cheech, John Garrett, and, I mean, for good reason. Uh, uh, Travis says, I'm depressed tonight, not because of the terrible season, but because it was Cheech's last game on the regional broadcast for Vancouver games. Uh, Heather and Langley uh, who's going in Cheech's seat? We don't know yet. We'll find out over the next little while. And a bunch of other ones. Favorite moment, this one says Alvin saying there's no superstar on the team. LOL. Least favorite moment, Cheech leaving us. And there's so many thoughts and so much love and respect for Cheech on our text inbox and, and throughout Canucks Nation. And we promised we would play story time with Cheech. And this is from the TV broadcast tonight. We have to give you all the Cheech content possible. And here is Murph and Cheech for story time. One final story time with Cheech. Yes. I think, uh, Shorty, you're going to set up the first uh, clip that involves, uh, I think, uh, Mr. Hockey. Well, I mean, we've gone ad nauseum on the fact that Cheech was denied an assist yes. on Gordy Howe's final goal in the NHL. But you did play a significant part in his 1,000th goal in pro hockey. And uh, you played a big enough part that he even signed yes. to commemorate it for Yes, uh, I got a helper on this one. Because you let it in. I'm playing with the Birmingham Bulls, and there's Gordy. And my good friend Dale Hoganson is the defenseman there who didn't take Gordy. And Gordy snapped it by me. Had a little room, I would say, on the blocker's side. But there is, uh, thanks for all your help, uh, signed Gordon. And we we did become good friends in Hartford. Uh, One of the classiest guys that I ever had the pleasure of playing with. A real star and a real gentleman. Did he always sign up with Gordon? Uh, Just to his friends. He signed Gordy Howe just to riffraff like you, but to his friends, it was gorgeous. Speaking of signing, nobody signs anymore. It's all selfies. And I, I, I got to say, I, I think you agree, this is the perfect venue send-off game for you because it, it, uh, you look around and we're just inundated with Canucks fans. Everybody's wanted a piece of you nice. tonight. It is and, very And uh, we've just yes. been able to sit back and watch you soak up the adulation. <laughs> it is very nice. There's like a the guy right there who just wanted to get a selfie and... 
uh, it is nice to have the fans and uh, to appreciate it because I've loved uh, doing this job for as long as I have. And uh, it has really been my pleasure. And if I've offered any sort of uh, delight or uh, expertise that the fans appreciate, uh, it's been my pleasure. Well, we should, uh, instead of the road family, we should talk about <laughs> the real family. My real family. You and, have another uh, family? <laughs> yes, I do. And just the support you've gotten uh, as a, through the years as a player and the broadcast from Sharon and two Oh, girls. well, uh, Sharon and I have been married for more than 50 years now. And uh, through all the ups and downs, and uh, the wife's advice keeps, keeps me alert, all right, uh, <laughs> all the different travels we've had, the different leagues that I've played in, uh, being traded in February and all the times that uh, you really appreciate the support, Sharon has always been there for me. And uh, through all the ups and downs, there's the beautiful bride. And that was way back, 1972. There you go. Uh, Sharon and I, Trenton, Ontario, at the reception in Padua. And uh, it, that was way back when. <laughs> and, uh, through all those years and through all the sacrifices that they have made so that I can do this job at first as a player and now as a broadcaster and it's been greatly appreciated by two daughters uh, Krista and Sarah and there they are uh, and back when uh, we had our skates on in that picture you can't see that but we're standing in front of Annette and uh, Krista and Sarah now are young ladies and uh, I appreciate all the sacrifices they made and uh, birthdays and Halloween and Christmas and Thanksgiving and uh, you know what it's like in the broadcast career but as a player that was 15 years as a player and then now 35 as a broadcaster all those dates that you miss it, it just this last trip Easter Sunday uh, and there we leave early Easter Sunday so we could go and watch the Masters but there's a fam family <laughs> what says Easter more than that <laughs> there's a family uh, uh, you miss an Easter dinner and so now uh, I'm hoping that with my cutback schedule that uh, I'll be able to spend more quality time with the family. Well, uh, I'll let Shorty finish it, but uh, as we've said, it couldn't be a better travel co uh, partner. Yeah, uh, never you. late. Always no, no. happy. Go to the airport early. That's Go right. to the airport early. If you're not early, you're late. Exactly. That's Five it. minutes early or ten minutes late. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I think I was uh, the coach of the New York Giants had the same rule. Tom <laughs> Coughlin was. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't have much more to add. I, I just, I, I've been soaking up all the thoughts and memories. And like today, I woke up and I had a text on my phone, and it was two words: Laurent Dauphin. <laughs> and because, like, Cheech and I just get great joy out of little things. Like we love saying the name Laurent Dauphin, who was scratched from the lineup yeah, tonight, know, yeah. and so he's not playing in this game. But I, I'm going to miss stuff like that. The kind of things that make me giggle. The referee's just landing you back. He's landing there. He's not working this he's game. But you would have texted it to me if he was. There's something about the uh, francophone names that we enjoy saying. How childish. We yeah. are childish. Well, I, I want the text to keep coming, no matter what. Okay, is yes. that a deal? Yes, that's a deal. Okay. Yes, All right. Uh, you're only young once, but you be immature for a lifetime, yes. and there's living proof right here. John Garrett here in the second intermission, uh, final regional broadcast. He'll still do some national stuff, so don't worry. He's not going away forever. Uh, that is story time with Cheech and Dan Murphy, and Murph just tweeted out, stay tuned for some news on Shorty and Cheech calling some games. 
Probably not Canucks. I don't think Canucks are making the playoffs, but we'll see ultimately what happens here after the Canucks finish their season. 83 points in 82 games. And we mentioned that was story time with Cheech. And the guys at the very end bid farewell to Cheech as well. So we have to play this. It's emotional, but I know fans want to hear it, especially those who didn't see the TV broadcast. So here is the final sign-off of the Canucks regional broadcast featuring Dan Murphy, John Shorthouse, and the one and only John Garrett. Salute you, obviously. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Do this, I, I don't know that. if there's any way to do it properly. <laughs> I try to do it without any tears. So that's going to be tough. But um, what do you, you got anything to say? Well, it's been an unbelievable pleasure for me. Uh, 20 years as team, and we are a team. Uh, I couldn't ask for better teammates. Uh, being a player all those years and all the different players that I played with, and then being part of a broadcast team. And Sportsnet Pacific, the crew, uh, Greg Shannon, Greg Breckel, Ron Forsyth, all the people who are with us most of the time, I've considered you guys uh, teammates and friends from almost the first time that we met, the first time we worked together, and it really has been my pleasure. And uh, I'm thankful for all the times we've spent together and thankful for all the good times we've had. Well, I'd like to say just thank you for never making it feel like work. Yeah, really. <laughs> Ever. Like, it never felt like work when we are coming to hang out with you, whether it be at home or on the road. It was always so much fun, and I think there was a lot of people uh, in the business that were kind of jealous of our relationship, the three of us, because it was never work, and on the road it was always fun. Well, think- and you look around, and uh, you see crews, and uh, there's some egos that get in the way, and then, and then there's little petty things, and... We've never had those, and I think that's a, a true testament to your personalities and how you treat people, and uh, I'm just happy that I was part of it. If I may, I'd just like to thank you for... People don't see how hard you work, <laughs> and you taught us how to take this job very seriously, but that's just the preparation part. And then once you're executing the job, to have the exact right amount of levity and fun. Yes. But you but you take it seriously, and you respect the players more than anybody else. And uh, I hope that we're able to carry that on for you. And you leave us right at the top of your game. Well, thank and you. anybody who thank doesn't you. recognize that now will, in hindsight, uh, whoever replaces you is going to do a bang-up job. <laughs> I know it, but it's not John Garrett. You thank are you. one of a kind, thank my you. friend. Thank you. And thank you so much. And what's Dr. Seuss say? Don't be sad. It's over. Be happy that it happened. happened. There you go. That's it. And it happened for, well, 15 years with me. More than that with you. And um, we could not be any more blessed to have had this time with John Gale. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And that is the final sign-up of the Canucks broadcast featuring Dan Murphy, John Shorthouse, and the men we call Cheech. John Garrett. It's been a pleasure. And like we said, it's not like it's done with John Garrett. Stay tuned for news, like Murph mentioned. So we'll see. He'll be around. He'll be around. And he's going to call some games next season, obviously. Just not a lot of, you know, not the Canucks regional broadcast. So we don't want to get too far into like, oh, we're not going to hear from Cheech again. But maybe even sooner than you thought. Maybe even as soon as next week. So... We'll see ultimately what happens in that regard. But obviously, uh, we were all surprised when we heard the news. And uh, I think we're all obviously um, not only wishing the best Mm -hmm. for him, of course, but looking forward to what's next in many ways for for John Garrett. Yeah, and I'll I'll say it again. I know it was echoed there, and you you guys have said it a lot on Canucks Central. I'm a big observing guy. 
and stepping into the gondola, stepping into press row these last couple of years, you know, try to look how to be. And there was one beacon for me always, and it was Cheech. Being cordial and being welcoming to others and trying to help people, you see it immediately. Yeah. I know there's been great stories, people texting in, Brad and Delta had the one earlier. It resonates. Yeah, it really does. And that's stuff, treating people well, ripples. It matters. It ripples. Matters. And when you watch it in real time, you want to. it inspires you to want to do the same. And that is such a testament to John Garrett. And I said it the night when we found out, mm-hmm. you know, his personality shines through the TV. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, like, I'll tell young broadcasters, like, the toughest thing to do in this industry is get your personality to translate through the microphone. And he does it so effortlessly. It's, it's, it's a gift. Like it it's really nothing. is. And then, you know, it's, it's not that easy. You know, one of the things you learn about broadcasting, and, and we're still learning, obviously. I still feel like I learn every day in many ways. But it's so hard to be natural. On air, it takes so much work to be natural, and sometimes there are people that just do it so naturally. Right? And it, it, it helps when you're them. such a genuine person like exactly. John Garrett. Absolutely. And you can, hey, being yourself is natural for him because he's so fantastic and he's so welcoming, uh, and, and it's been such a treat for so, so many years in, really, in the city. It really has. Marvin in Edmonton says, I was hoping for the Yotes to tie the game for Cheech to call his last game the OT winner. Uh, and you got to sit here that too. Definitely going to miss Cheech. We love you, buddy. All the best. And, I mean, there are dozens of text messages like that coming in tonight, Bick. We can't even read them all. Yeah. Can't even get to them all. Uh, but, yeah, we'll we'll... We'll get this one in. Ramsey and Langley sent a couple in, but I'll read this one from him. Uh, absolutely, number one, Cheech, you will be missed. Number two, uh, Garley with the hat trick. Good for him. You have been talking about him driving the line on the air, and he did it tonight. He's not a star, but he deserved and he earned that hat trick. And number three, PD and Kuzmenko missing 40 goals each. That sucks, but we have something to look forward to as well for those players. Plus, number four, this summer, clear cap of a good summer. Come back strong. And the first 10 games are going to matter the most for next season. So a lot of thoughts coming in, a lot of love for Cheech and people remembering this season as well. And to those asking who's replacing Cheech, we don't know. We don't know. We, we genuinely do not know. And I'd rather celebrate yes. than uh, think about the future. Yeah, absolutely. Wishing John Garrett, a happy, John Garrett a happy retirement. Nice that the Canucks have an overtime win on his last day. And it's not really retirement, but I understand what people are getting at here when it comes to John Garrett. But end of an era for John Garrett on the regional broadcast. And the end of this 82-game season. And it culminates with a Canucks victory 5-4 over the Coyotes. Finished the season 83 points in 82 games. The 11th worst record in the National Hockey League. They have a chance, the slimmest chance of all, to land Connor Bedard at 3%. But like we always say, you have a chance. So we'll see how that goes. But it's time to close out the show. And with that, we always do it with our closer. The man we call the triple threat. You see him on TV. You hear him on radio. You read him on digital. And he is Ian McIntyre. I'm going to miss this song over the summer. And I'm going to miss you guys, too. Oh, yeah. Nice to be on with you after Game 82. It's always nice being on with you, Ian. You know we're still going to call you, right? We'll we'll still chat with you. (laughs) I know, but I don't have entrance music (laughs) regularly, do I? I mean, occasionally I do, but mostly I don't. Plus, you know there's Spotify and things like that, right? You can listen to this song whenever you want. 
<laughs> but it's it's better when you hear it fair uh, yeah. over the phone on radio. Yeah, your walk up music. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. like if you're a closer in Major League Baseball, <laughs> like you're not listening to your walk up music unless you're walking true, up, right? True. To get your, my bad. Oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, uh, I don't know if you're a closer in baseball and you, you're aren't you enjoying it when the stadium blasts your music as you come out? Yeah. I mean that's kind of, that's kind of one of my dreams, mm-hmm. and I know this is pathetic. Like to walk in Safeway, and all along the Watchtower just blasts. <laughs> I just kind of walk in. Yeah, it's about me. Mac is in aisle four, baby. Yeah, it's Mac yeah. time. McIntyre's in the house. <laughs> He's looking for seven percent sour cream. Seven <laughs> percent. Oh, tremendous! <laughs> Absolutely tremendous. Are you a two percent yeah. guy or a one percent guy or a no milk squad? Uh, can I not answer that question? Sure, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm. I. I. I I drink whole milk. Oh, okay. But but I Purist. have a reason for it. I have a reason for it. Because I have a a twenty year old actually it's older than that, this fantastic cappuccino machine that every morning I celebrate when it still works because I make my own cappuccino and it just the milk froths better with that little extra bit of fat in it. That checks so. out. That checks out. But we do have two percent at times. We're, we were a two percent family until I discovered the the milk frothing advantages of whole milk, <laughs> and then it becomes a bit of a mix in between. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in terms of see all the see all the good stuff you get. I from know. When I come on. Oh, we, we learn so much. Show. Frothing milk, a bit of everything. You know, we, we learn a bit of everything. Uh, but but Ian, uh, in terms of this season, because I mean, we can talk about this game all we want, but really, it's about closing the year. Um, like what? What's your final takeaway here for this 82 game season, which was quite the roller coaster ride? And we thought heading to this year, after all the management changes and Miller signing a contract extension, Boudreaux coming back, that maybe it would be a quiet year. And it was almost more chaotic than last season in many ways. So, like, how would you sum up this year? Well, I dropped a descriptor of tumultuous mm-hmm. on Vic this afternoon, and it scared him because it was four syllables. <laughs> But Nobody else was I, dropping four syllable words. It went two tops. Yeah. Well, but I've never seen a season like this, and and you know maybe the the only comparable was the year that Quinn was fired and Keenan came in and everybody was traded. But in a way, that was that was a more innocent time, and like the chaos that was occurring, everyone just kind of knew. Yeah, this is chaos. It's Mike Keenan. You know, Messier's here, Linden's going. The chaos was kind of understandable for for what was transpiring. But did anybody expect the chaos this season? Even people who may have been pessimistic about the team, not that everyone's, you know, not optimistic about this franchise, but, you know, even the people who thought they might have a bad season, I don't think anyone envisioned that so much could go wrong in the first half, and there was so much drama, just debilitating drama around the team. And, and I know talking for, to players, you know, they were aware of the dysfunction. They felt the dysfunction in the summer with what was going on between uh, Boudreaux and Rutherford and the lack of an extension and some of the things that, that Rutherford had said about Boudreaux's coaching style and the team. 
So everybody was, well, maybe not everybody, but some people were on edge when the season started and then they start really badly and everything compounds. All, all that stress and, and negative energy just got fueled by the bad, the bad start. And then, and then the chaos and the dysfunction can, you know, got worse. Uh, and then, you know, by the time mid season came around, I, I, I know again from talking to players that, a lot of guys were just worn out mentally, especially by the final weeks of the Boudreaux reign. And I think everybody, including Canucks management, Rutherford, understands that something should have been done sooner. You know, they should have they should have found their coach. And I don't I don't blame them. You know, I'm not blaming the season uh, that that management brought back Bruce Boudreaux because I think he deserved to come back based on what he did last year. But things turned when they finally got their own coach. And, and uh, I said to Bick this afternoon as well that, that that chaos ended. The losing didn't end when Brian Burke fired Mike Keenan, but the chaos ended. And he got the coach he wanted in Mark Crawford. And together, because there was now alignment, there was harmony, there was common goals, uh, uh, common interest in what should be done with the team, then the team started to get better. And they got better pretty quickly. And, and you know, for all that I've just said about Mike Keenan, he left uh, a lot of of pieces for, for Burke and Crawford to work with. And uh, I think there's a, there's a comparison, uh, a comparable to what's happened now, that, that Alvin has got the coach that he really wants in Rick Tockett. And I also think that Alvin is now, you know, with a lot of counsel and support from Rutherford, Alvin is the one making the calls now. So Alvin has his coach. They also have um, this kind of uh, linear alignment with the minor league staff, with their player development staff. And we know from looking at the pieces on this team, which shouldn't have been as bad as it was this year. We know that there's a lot of things for this group to work with. So I think, I think it's they're going, they're definitely going in the right direction where that takes them next year. I don't know, but for them to move forward, they had to, they had to get some alignment and at least they have that now. We were just talking a little while ago about, you know, Alignment with the fans, right? And there's the one faction that just wants to see a definitive plan that meets their values. And the point I was making is the only thing that's going to align everyone right now is just starting next season with wins. And we can talk about all these different theories and all these different philosophies and strategies. Ultimately, Ian, like the only thing that's going to resolve and salve people right now is W's next season to, to, to start the year. Yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent, Vic. Uh, but I, I don't think, even if, you know, they start 0-5, what was it? They, they lost all five games on this road trip to start the year this year. What did, I can't even remember. I don't have it in front of me, what they bottomed out at. But even 0-5 if that happens. 0-5-2. So even if that happens again, I think everybody understands Rick Talk, it's not going anywhere. There's not going to be the same... Uh, the same level of panic if if that occurs. But I do agree with you that it's time that this group has, this 
has to start winning. I was going to say group has to win, and I knew that is, that would sound like I'm talking about the Stanley Cup. I'm not talking about that. None of us are talking about that. But it's time. Elias Pettersson's been here five years. Quinn Hughes has been here four years. Thatcher Demko has been the starter for three seasons. These guys are all uh, in their prime. I think you could argue they're all still getting better, especially Hughes and and Pedersen. I mean, it's time. They 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 have to do something. The 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 management group has to succeed where they failed last year and where they fa- where the previous management group headed by Jim Benning failed in not building out a better team, a stronger team around these core players. It's, 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 it's fantastic that you have these foundational pieces. Most teams would love to have the players that Vancouver has to build upon. Uh, I mean, what does Arizona have right now that they're, that they're building upon? What is, what does Chicago have? And I know that they've got prospects, but they don't have, nobody has a Hughes. Nobody has a Pedersen. Uh, it's great that they have those pieces, but that doesn't give you a house, right? That gives you that gives you a foundation. That hasn't put a roof over your head. That hasn't kept the family warm. They now have to build build their house and and start winning games. Uh, I I would, you know, it would be really good if that happened in October, but I don't think it necessarily has to, uh, I, because uh, this manager and this coach aren't going anywhere. Uh, I, I don't think their ideals about how the team should play are, are going anywhere. That emphasis on, on defending and talk, it's, you know, demands for more competitiveness and battle guys and wall guys and, and heaviness. Uh, those, those ideals aren't going anywhere. So I think there's time, even if they didn't start well in October, that, they would work it out and and could start winning after that. But it sure would be nice after the team has played itself into oblivion the last two yeah. falls, if they could just be better at the start next season. It would make life easier for all of us covering the game. And Ian, uh, that brings us an end to the end of this broadcast. And just because the broadcast are over for the games doesn't mean we're done chatting with you. I mean, on Saturday, the Canucks are cleaning out their lockers. On Monday, the manager and coach is meeting with the media. So we have a lot of coverage coming up throughout the weekend next week. So you, myself, Bick, we still have a lot of Canucks talk coming up for the rest of this spring and heading into the summer as well. So we're not quite done talking Canucks quite yet. Yeah, we'll see how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played. I, Ian, no, I'll be back. Yeah. I, I'll mi- I miss you guys I when, know. when I don't get, but we all need to recharge. We After do. a season we, like this, we do. Oh my goodness. We all need a bit of a recharge. But no, honestly, appreciate all your contributions to the postgame show here, Ian, all year. And I know, and, and on a... On a personal note, after the home games, Ian usually drops me off at home oh. on the way home. So <laughs> peeling back uh, I, the curtain, I, peeling here. back the curtain, yeah, because he drives home the same way. Yeah. I live on his way, so he always drops me off. So thanks for all the rides home. Thanks for being a good teammate, and we can't wait to be back chatting with you again on the post game shows next year, Ian, and hopefully for bigger and better things to talk about. Well, I, as I've told you before, I, I enjoy the segments. I, I'm sorry that I missed some this year because of. Uh, deadline changes, and sometimes I just can't make it over. But I really enjoy being on with you guys. Plus, you're busy with TV because you're on TV, <laughs> and I am on. I am on TV, Vic. Thank you for noting that. And by the way, as far as TV, I thought that was a great way for Sportsnet to end its broadcast tonight with with Cheech on camera with Shorthouse and Murphy because 
as you guys know as well as I do, that they're all uh, immensely talented individually, but it's that chemistry that they have together that has made the broadcast so watchable and enjoyable. Yeah. And you guys have that same chemistry on radio too. Wow, that's very kind of you to say, Ian. We appreciate that very much. I'm not sure it's true, but I'll take the compliment. You can't take it back. So uh, thanks so much, and we appreciate your work. And you still have an article on sportsnet.ca, so I beseech our readers, real listeners, to go and read your article. Good word, beseech. There it took go. Game 82 for that, but it was <laughs> I know, worth it. I know. See, I left. The, I, I saved the best for last. I had one, thing left, one card left to play. Great stuff, Ian. Always appreciate it, man. Good night, guys, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Fantastic stuff. That is Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. That's the end of our broadcast. This is Game 82. Um, it's been an absolute blast, Vic. Uh, you know, you and I love working together, and yeah. we'll still you know, do shows over the course of you know, the summer and stuff like that. But I'm not going to say anything nice to you. you no. here, here's what I will say. <laughs> Thank you to everyone that has texted in and yeah. been part of the show. Uh, look, I, I get to talk to Sad all the time. He DMs me and sends me messages at 2 a.m., voice <laughs> notes of him cackling and things like this. Uh, but what makes this fun, as much fun as it is to work with Sat, what makes this fun is to interact with everyone else. We've said this a thousand times, and it's true as mm-hmm. it was the first time. Uh, the reason we do these shows, the reason we work as hard as we do, the reason we stay up as late as we do is we get to interact with you. We're all in this together. We all have different opinions. It's all about a community. For me, doing this for a full season, this has been a dream come true yeah. and it wouldn't be fulfilled without uh, interacting with all the people that make uh, this job so much fun. Uh, well said there, Bick. Thanks to every single one of you for participating listening, whether it's yelling at us uh, on the radio, texting, and ang- whatever it is. We appreciate and respect all of it. Each and every single one of you and uh, we can't wait to be back doing this again next year. We're still back on our regular shows, Monday to Friday, Bick Nazar, The People Show, 3 to 4, Connect Central, myself, Monday to Friday with Dan Richo, 4 to 6. And special shout out to all our producers calling, uh, helping us along the games. We know Batch and Randy, we talked about obviously, done a great job. I mean, Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show here tonight, done a great job all season. Josh Elliott Wolf has done a fantastic job as well. Ben Bastron stepped up and done some games. Linus Tagian at, tag at the rink. At doing, the rink. Doing a great job and our somewhat fearless leader, Cam Vera, also uh, has done some work there. So, no, we're kind of joking, but appreciate every single one of us. And Brett Festerling. And Brett Festerling calling games, too, of course. Of course, Cam And Dan Riccio as Dan well Riccio. doing pre-game shows. Cast of Cast of Many hundreds. today. Many, <laughs> many. But more than, all, more than anything, you're the most important part of this post-game show. So thank you yet again from the bottom of our hearts. Hope to be back again next year. Thank you very much. Have a great evening, and we'll chat again soon right here on Sportsnet. Cheese forever!